cool. I wanted to just um, remind you of, I don't know if it is on, on there, but um, we're going to Lesotho in October. It's a big one. It's the equip um, from the 13th to the 15th. And I, I'm trusting God for us to take a big team along with us. So you gotta, you just need that 15th on the Friday. We travel up and you'll be back by Sunday night late. You'll be a mess Monday morning, but you'll be fine. Um, but we're trusting to take a team up. You need a passport. You need a couple of rand. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to be at that. And then also want to remind you this afternoon that we are, are doing some training. Um, it's called leadership training, but we're working through pastoral studies. It's a little module um, from NCMI. We want to work our way through it. I believe God is going to add um, folks that we're going to have to care and shepherd and look after. And so we, we're gearing that training for that. Cool. We're going to let the kids go downstairs. I want to ask Alred to come and pray as we preach the word. Come, Alred. Come pray for us. Yeah, he's surprised, but he likes surprises. He's coming. That's why I didn't wear shorts because uh, you actually stumble if you see my legs. Just, just pray, bro. We're going to preach. Morning, church. Um, thanks, Tony. <laughs> Hey, move over. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's pray, church. Uh, Lord Jesus, as we come before your throne room this morning, Father God, we come with thanksgiving and praise upon our lips and within our hearts that you are good, that you are faithful, Father God, that you are for us and not against us, and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray, Lord Jesus, as uh, uh, as Dani preaches today, that the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart be acceptable in your sight, Father God. Use him flow through him lord jesus i pray that the listeners hearts will be softened that restoration revival reignition will take place through this word have your way in this meeting today lord jesus i pray in jesus mighty name amen thank you buddy bless you man nice i feel encouraged i feel encouraged um i know that the last time i chatted to you i mentioned that i would want to finish off just, we've been talking about a Joshua season, um, not so much the book of Joshua, the character of Joshua, but a season that we're finding ourselves in that we've got to advance, we've got to step into what God has called us to. And I landed last time by talking a little bit about a, 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 a new way of, of warfaring and upping our, our understanding of, of what the war is about. And um, I do want to continue with that uh, at some point. But today, uh, the next couple of weeks that I'm here, I'd like to speak a little bit about the call of God. And it ties in with the Joshua season because I believe that God um, calls us for a specific task, for a specific time. I believe that our lives uh, is what He wants. And so also, <clears throat> following on a little bit with what Dwayne mentioned, I'm trusting that we can begin to think about what are the big things that are shaping your life right now. What are the big things that are, I'm not talking about your career and maybe your skill set and all that, but the, who you become, what is shaping that? What's shaping the decisions we make? And then even bigger than that, what's shaping us as a local church? We've had the privilege of traveling. And by the way, thank you for praying for us uh, last week. Where did we go? Hillcrest. It was somewhere. I want you to know that I pray for you every time you go out, and that's from here on Monday, to your place where you preach. 
amongst your friends, at your workplace, at your school, when you go to school, um, Sia, I'm praying for you every time you go out. I honestly do. And so I appreciate the fact that you pray for us when we go out. We don't go fishing. We don't go picnicking next to the river. We actually, we, we, we work um, for the king and for his kingdom. But partnership is so crucial. And who knows what God can do with us when we put our lives together for the king and his kingdom. Who knows? There are areas and places that he can do what only he can do. And so I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, so hopefully we can talk about the call of God. The key scripture I have is Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. And this beautiful conversation that Isaiah overhears, it's an incredible thing. Uh, you know Isaiah chapter 6, I'm sure, if you've been around in the church, um, it's the year that King Uzziah dies. And it says that Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw something of heaven. Something was going on in heaven. There's an altar, there's fire, there's angels, there's God's agenda happening in heaven. I know there was stuff happening on earth. King Uzziah just died and the people were in chaos and all that. But in a moment, Isaiah's eyes are open and he sees heaven's agenda. And then you remember, uh, he, said, he suddenly is aware of his own condition and he kind of feels disqualified. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. He's suddenly aware of his own um, inadequacies. But then it's like, you know, this angel takes a coal and from the altar and touches his mouth. Remember that? And then he, he overhears this beautiful conversation of this triune God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit speaking together. And it says in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who will go for us? It's this team in heaven with a heavenly agenda. And suddenly, not only Isaiah's eyes are open, but his ears are open to what heaven's agenda is. And because heaven has touched his life, there's this willingness from his side to say, like, I will go. And I don't think this is like God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit saying, like, Yo, we, need, we need help. We, we can't do this on our own. I think it's more like, who will go with us? Who will come with us? Who will work with us in this heavenly agenda? And, and it's beautiful because Isaiah kind of just says, Lord, here I am, send me. And for me, the call of God is being aware of what the heavenly agenda is right now and living our life every day saying, Lord, you can touch me, you can change me, no matter how I feel or how inadequate I feel, I want to come with you on this heavenly agenda. And so I feel like I, I wrote here three groups of people, but I think there are four. So I don't know, you guys can make out from the notes whatever you want. But I, I'm specifically praying over these three, four weeks for groups of people, three or four. And the first group for me are those who are, who are just standing still in their walk with God. They're not moving forward, they're standing still because they're a little bit confused about the call of God. They've heard things like if you're not full-time in ministry, you don't have the call of God. They, they tend to think that there are some people closer to God that are really like called by God, the called ones, the chosen ones. 
And so they're not really sure, do they qualify? Can they, can they actually be part of this? Do they make a difference? And I'm praying and trusting God to clarify some of that because you're called by God. You're invited by God and summoned by God to join the heavenly agenda that he has. And um, I'm trusting God to clarify that and, and, and help you over this time. The second group of people I'm praying for are those who know that, that there is a call of God on their life, but they're so confident and they're so keen and they've done so much training that they're running ahead of God. Like Moses. This is Moses. Remember Moses was like, ah, I was educated in Egypt and Pharaoh. I know how this works. I know. And, and it's amazing. We'll look at his life in a little bit more detail. I want to start with a broad strokes though. And he, he's, there's a scripture in Acts where it says that Moses thought the people would see that God was using him. But they didn't. <laughs> and you know, it's like, like the people are like, can't the people see God's using me? And uh, maybe he's not yet. And there's some unlearning and relearning that needs to happen. Is that all right? I'm praying for you. So whether you understand it or not, got you covered. Third group of people are those who know they're called of God. But they're running away from God. <laughs> they're like Jonah. They're trying to get away from the call of God. And they're facing some storms and they're facing some troubles. Remember, they, the, the sailors tried their best to rescue Jonah. And Jonah said, well, the only answer is throw me into the sea. It's surprising that he didn't jump in. He's like, you got, I'll make you. If you want the storm to stop, chuck me off your boat. Those are not the kind of people you want on your boat. People running away from God. Amen? You're going to lose some cargo if you try and help them. God's too big. He's too strong. And so I'm praying for those who are maybe running away from God. And you know why Jonah ran away from God? Because he's like, some people have this idea, if you say yes to the call of God, well, your life is over. Everything you like or everything you enjoy, that's it. It's miserable. It's going to be, God enjoys you just having a miserable life. That really makes him happy. And so Jonah was like, you see, I knew, I knew God. I know you're merciful. I knew you were going to help these people. Something inside him, God had to adjust. You know, Jonah's call, it wasn't just for the people of Nineveh. It was for Jonah's sake. God was rescuing Jonah from his own things. And so the call of God is the best life we can ever live. Getting onto the heavenly agenda is actually the most meaningful, joyful life you can ever, ever have. And I feel like God's going to arrest some people. I don't know. If you read Jonah, God's provision is amazing. Hey, God provided a fish. And God provided a bush. And God provided a worm. And God provided a scorching east wind. God's provision is amazing. <laughs> God knows what to provide to, to help us, right? And God said to Jonah, shouldn't I be concerned for this whole city of people who don't know their right hand from their left? He says, Jonah, remember Jonah was so angry with God? Absolutely furious. In fact, God said, why are you angry? He said, I'm so angry I could die. <laughs> this is Jonah talking to God. I'm so furious. I want to just die. Just kill me now. 
Why are you helping these people that I don't want you to help? God's got to work with us. All right. And then praise God. This is the fourth group. It's Joshua. Joshua had a call from a young man. Joshua saw the plagues in Egypt. And you know, this is what I just want to say about the call of God. We read Joshua and we think it's only about entering the promised land. But actually the call of God is right throughout my life saying, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to be part of the heavenly agenda. Open my ears, open my eyes to see what you're doing. And here I am, Lord. My life is yours. I'm with you. And um, so Joshua would have seen the miracles. He would have spent 40 years in the desert helping Moses. We forget that. He was the guy who, okay, you go fight the battle. I'm up on the mountain. Remember what Moses said? And that's not the place you want to be. Moses, something goes wrong. You're up on the mountain. I'm down in the valley fighting the battles, serving, doing all of that. 40 years, he walks in the desert. All of that is the call of God. He, all the time, Joshua is saying, Lord, whatever your plan is for your people, I'm in. That's the call of God. Amen. Are you doing all right? Let me get my water. Alex, in the front row. Impressive. Your peoples are gone. You ditched them. It's okay. God's calling you. <laughs> so you got to keep up with these guys. Eh? It's the come on nows and the come on mans. And I want to hear you. If you want to sit in the front row, you've got to earn it. I think there are a couple of thoughts that the world has confused us about that's very unhelpful to understand the call of God. I really do. And um, I'm really praying that I can bring this across this morning. That's why I asked Elred to come and pray. Um, not because I don't have faith, but I really, if we can understand what's going on, it will help us in our, in our understanding of the call of God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint some very broad strokes. The first idea that I want, I want to say is very important for us to understand is that the universe had a beginning. And you might say like, duh. But I want to say this thought, this idea is under attack right now. It's under attack. The opening line of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning, not beninging, now I lost all of you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so I want us just to think about this for a moment. You see, before you existed, before your job, before your career, before your studies, before your family, before your parents, before we had maps, before Africa and Europe and America, before Anything, before the problems that you're facing right now, before the challenges, before the pain, before your life, before you even existed, there's a God who had no beginning. And that means if the universe had a beginning, us as humanity, there was a specific day when God breathed life into us. And you read that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. For us as humanity, there was a day 
when God created us. And before that day was God. You see, uh, for me, that's super important because like uh, um, that guy, Francis Schaeffer, says that we live in a generation that almost our thinking is below the line of despair. We've given up on the hope that there are any absolutes. And so everything in the world becomes relative to us. Everything is about how I interpret it in my world. And we even do that with God. What can God do? God doesn't make sense. The concept of God doesn't make sense in our generation unless God can do something for me in my world. You see what we're doing there? Everything is relative to me. We're saying life began with me when I was born. <laughs> and everything before that doesn't matter. No, I want to say that there is a, a time when God created us. And before that, God existed. And we'll never understand the call of God if we don't understand that actually you can never find meaning in life unless you go back to God. Impossible. We live in a world where, where we, we feel alive by our experiences and our feelings. And so even we do this with a call of God, like it's this event, it's this high. Think about it. We, we live in a world where people work hard, 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 hard to, to get enough money to buy that thing, to get that high, to feel that. And then we go back and we do it all over again to get another one and another one. And we live from one high to another high. Whether it's relationships, whether it's material things, whether it is uh, positional power, it's like we do that. And, and, and for, for if you're thinking like that, if you don't understand that there was actually a day when, when the universe began and before that, there is an eternal God who's always existed and therefore He created us for a specific purpose, you will interpret the call of God as like something like this, like, when I say the call of God, you think like this is something exciting. This is another high for your Christian walk. This is something, but you know, it's an optional extra. It's up to you whether you want to enhance your life with doing something that's good. Are you following me? <laughs> the Bible maintains in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, For by him all things were created things in heaven and in earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority all things were created by him and therefore by definition they were created for him and so we live in a world that's trying to find meaning and trying to find purpose and all that but we forget that there was a start and before that start was God and therefore if God created us the only way you're ever going to find any meaning is to go back to God outside of God impossible The call of God's not an event it's not an experience it's not another high it's living your life every day being aware that, Lord, actually, how do I fit into your world? And God's world didn't begin when my world began. Make sense? That's under attack right now. And we've got to get this thought right that actually where I'm living, there was a beginning before I existed. 
The number two thought that I want to go for this morning is that the universe has an end. And again, you might say, duh, but if you think about us as humanity and a collective, we live like there is no end. We're aware there of death and all that, but we live like there's no accountability. I'm not talking about death. Death is not an end. You know that. We live like there's no end to the resources. Look at our planet and all that stuff. We live like there's no end because this concept has left us. We just live in our little world. We are the beginning and we are the end. And everything else has to fit into my world to make sense. And if it can't fit into my world, irrelevant. And I'm telling you, my life fits into a far bigger picture. Your, your lifetime is just a breath. Am I coming across? He's breaking out in a sweat. Can someone just give him a bit of water? He's going to collapse. Slow down, tiger. Jesus, honestly, if you're a follower of Jesus, read your Bible. How often did Jesus speak about an end? He spoke about an end. And I know during COVID, everyone was like, end times, because this and that and that. But we live like there's no end. People, live, people make decisions like they're never going to be held accountable for anything. What? No, there's an end. There is an end. Matthew 24 verse 14 says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole earth as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Matthew 13, verse 49. And this is how it will be at the end of the age. And right now, just a disclaimer, spoiler alert. If you don't like what I'm saying, I'm just saying God said this in the word. So if it's not politically correct or if you don't enjoy me talking about this, you're going to have to take it up with him because it's his word. At the end of the age, the angels will come and they will separate the wicked from the righteous. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you might say, well, I've lost all my teeth. Teeth will be provided. <laughs> but there will be a gnashing of teeth. That's what it says. You see, when Jesus spoke about the end, he spoke about a separation. Sorry about that. He spoke about a separation. He spoke about a, go and read what he spoke about the end. A setting right of all injustice. And if you think God is not capable of recording things, and he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he has all authority, he's always been on the throne, he is fully capable of executing judgment. And you and I live our lives in between this beginning and this end. Not like it doesn't matter, absolutely matters how we live. He promised the judgment. He promised to hold accountable every bit of corruption. Even the secrets of the heart will be laid bare. The Bible teaching is very clear that death doesn't exempt you from an end. Death is not an escape from an end. I'm just talking about thoughts that I feel are very destructive to the people of God when we talk about the call of God. You're doing all right. We're up against it. And it's very subtle and it's there. But I tell you, people don't believe in a beginning anymore and people don't believe in an end anymore. Revelation 20 verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, 
Listen, it doesn't matter what you are in this world. There's an end coming. And in that end, it says here that the books will be open. I want you to see standing before the throne. Just understand this picture of the throne. Even that Isaiah saw, there's a heavenly agenda that's on the go right now. And if we can hear it, if we can see it, we can say, Lord, let my life be shaped by that agenda. Not by what's going on around us. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he has done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Let me tell you, an end is not natural death. There is something after that. It's called the second death. Doing all right. Let me just take a sip of water. Got quite intense. You okay, Alex? Alex got his seatbelt on now. He's. I tell you, so many people. So many people are. Their lives are so messed up. They're not aware there's an end. They don't believe there's an end. They might say so. They think when I die, I die. It's not an end. And so those two thoughts, there's a beginning, there's an end. I think we've got to get back to that to understand the call of God in our lives. We've got to get back to the agenda of heaven. If you study the scriptures about the end times, you find that at the same time as there is an end for humanity, there will be a new beginning. Revelation 21 verse 5. He is seated on the throne. I want you to see all these scriptures. Every time I read them, it's about the throne. Isaiah, it's about the throne. It's about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit saying, I, I have a heavenly agenda. There is a new beginning coming. And I know you live your life between the, the, the beginning and the end, but how you live is going to matter. The one on the throne said, I am make, making everything new. A new genesis, a new origin, a new beginning. He said, write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. What does that new beginning look like? Let's just have a look at I'm, 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 I know I'm talking about the call of God. I'm going to come to the details now. But I'm just saying, if you don't understand what God is about, what He's doing, the call of God can become so self-centered. And it's actually got nothing to do with that. It's not to enhance my life. It's not so I can have a ministry. It's not so I can feel good. It's got nothing to do with that. These are eternal things. Before we existed, God was there. And after us, God is there. Revelation 21 verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Can you just think about this? When all is said and done, this is it. This is it. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea, no fishing, Selvin. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. 
for her husband. Here's the new beginning. The people of God, like a bride, you see that city, Jerusalem, when Jesus said to, to his disciples, you're a city on a hill, that's a picture of this beautiful bride that's going to live eternally with God forever. Look at Revelation 21 verse 7. Those who are victorious will inherit this. Can you say inherit? That's the inheritance of those who are victorious. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. In the new beginning, all that's there is this bride of Christ. And you read it also in Revelation chapter 19. I've spoken about these things before. The 24 elders, the four living creatures, they're all falling down. And you go down to verse 6. And I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our God reigns. Let us rejoice and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. And here's the part I want you to, to see. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. In that new beginning, that bride of the Lamb, it's the acts of ordinary people like you and me that will be the bright linen given to her to wear for all eternity. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, like, who's this bride and why is it taking her so long to get ready? Well, I'll tell you that bride was the intention when God breathed life into man's nostrils from the very beginning. That man would be created in his image to live with him, to know him, to walk with him, to mature with him, to, to spend eternity with him. That was always the plan. But the bride fell. And that fall, was, that fall was catastrophic, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And I'm going to come with a couple of practicals in a moment, but just stay with me here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all men, because all sinned. In fact, it was so bad that in just six chapters into our Bible, Genesis chapter 6, it says the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and the Lord regretted that he made human beings on earth. We would not even be here if you don't understand this part of the story. It was like God the Father intentionally created mankind to be a bride for his son and now she sinned and sin had such a devastating effect that the father said the wedding is over it's done done and it says here you know that uh, uh, the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled and so the lord said i will wipe from the face of the earth the human race i created I regret that I made them, NLT says. NIV says, and his heart was filled with pain. 
And I always feel it's at that point, you know, that Jesus put his hand up and he said, Dad, there's a way. I love the world. I love the world. I so love the world that I'll, I will give my life on her behalf. You know that scripture, John chapter 3 verse 16, it's so well used, but it's so powerful. God so loved the world that he gave. And I want to give you just five things that he gave us, six things. And the call of God means to live on these things. Number one, what he gave us was his life as a sacrifice. Hebrews 9, 26. But now once for all time, he's appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So again, I just want to say, what is the agenda of heaven? It's the bride. When all is said and done, that's what, what, where we're going. That's where we're heading. Everything else is going to end. And what did Jesus give for that bride? Number one, he gave himself a sacrifice. The only thing that can take away sin. The only thing that can take away the guilt. The only thing that can wash away sin, the blood of Jesus. And you see, so if I, if I talk about the call of God, it has to be to get that message out to the world. Has to be. The second thing he gave us is this precious cornerstone. He gave us a stone to build our lives on. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 1 Peter 2 verse 6, for in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Not only did he give us his blood and his life as a sacrifice, but he gave us his life to build on. Everything that's not built on Christ will be brought down. And Corinthians tells us there's no other foundation upon which we can build for eternity except Jesus Christ in verse 11 of chapter 3. But we should be careful how we build. And so the call of God is to say, not only Lord, am I going to share the message of the blood of Jesus Christ, but I'm going to build my life, my family, my church on that cornerstone, Jesus Christ. That's what's going to matter in eternity. Thirdly, he gave us his word. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present to himself, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Not only am I, if I'm called by God, am I Saying, Lord, I'm willing to give myself to get this message of, of your sacrifice out. Not only am I going to build my life on the cornerstone, but Lord, I'm going to allow your word to constantly wash me. Adjust my attitude, adjust my thinking, adjust my ways, adjust the way that I live out my life in this world. Adjust the way I do things, how I speak, how I live, the choices I let your word wash me. That's part of what we're called to to the word of God that's what he gave us God so loved the world that he gave this is what he gave fourthly he gave us gifts 
Remember in Acts chapter 1, he said, Wait in Jerusalem for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And we've sung that this morning. And we're going to sing it in a moment. For John baptized with water, but in a few days I'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If I'm called by God, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, work in my life. Word of God, work in my life. The message of the blood of Jesus, that's what I'm going to speak. Ephesians 4, it says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to build up the church till we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge in the Son of God that we may become mature in the Lord, measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. God has given ministry gifts. God has given the Holy Spirit He's given us instructions, the last two. Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He gave us a mission, to make disciples. He gave us a mandate. Remember what he's got in mind. Is that new beginning. And so if we talk about the call of God. We have to understand these things. The last thing I want to say. Is that he gave us a trust. He gave us his trust. In 2 Timothy 1.14. Selvin can I ask you guys to come up please. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God's entrusted us with something. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 it says, Now it's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. Can you stand please? Can we stand together? Maybe today you said, I'm confused about the call of God. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I qualify. And today I want to say, if you believe in Jesus, you're qualified. Heaven has an agenda. Can you ask God to open your eyes and your ears to what God is doing in the earth today? Before we talk about the specifics, I know with Moses, with Joshua, with Jonah, there were specifics. Go here, do this, be this, do that. But if we don't, if we don't understand what God's about, we're going to miss the point completely. There's no purpose for a human life outside of God because before any of us existed, God existed. And He created us. He made us in His image. Maybe this morning, you just run ahead of God a little bit. You know God's called you. You know Moses... Try to do it in his own strength. 
trying to rescue his own people. He was thinking maybe maybe people will see that God is using me. And God took him another 40 years to go and learn some things, to go and unlearn some things, relearn. Maybe this morning you've exited God's processes. I don't know. Just close your eyes for a moment. You've exited his processes. You felt like Dwayne said the other morning, Lord, I can't speak. I'm, I can't do this. I can't. Moses, he's just looking after a few sheep in the desert somewhere. He's just like, leave me alone, Lord. I, I can't. I, I've tried this. I've tried. But you've run ahead of God. And God's like that burning bush. God is taking hold of you again. And God's saying, Remember my plans. I've seen my people and I'm going to rescue my people and I want to bring my people. It's this heavenly call coming through again. And maybe this morning you're running away from the call of God. I don't know. Maybe Jonah, you know, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria and it's been prophesied that the Assyrians would come and overrun God's people because they had walked away from him. And Jonah definitely had issues with the people of Assyria. God had to take him through his own little process to deal with those things. I'm praying that we'd be a church that says, Lord, shape us by what's going on in heaven around the throne, around King Jesus, around what He's done. He gave His life, He gave His word, He gave His spirit, He gave gifts to His church. He gave us a mission, He gave us a mandate. Lord, let that shape us, let that shape us, let that shape us, let our acts be part of eternity and that new beginning that one day, Lord God, will be available for all those who believed in You, who followed You. So come Holy Spirit, maybe this morning you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit again. Maybe you've forgotten there's a gift He's given. It's the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit again. So we sing this song just one last time. Can you just open your heart? I don't know what it is that God wants to speak to you concerning His agenda in heaven. saying, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, I, I, and God just wants to touch you, just wants to touch you again, so that there will be a willingness to say, Lord, whatever it is, uh, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. Spirit of God, like this.